I'm Michael Movestro, and welcome to the Vegas Bright Podcast, episode six. Yeah, six. Who knew? The Vegas Bright Podcast from VegasBright.com. So podcast, it's a Vegas podcast. to the yeah so this is the sixth episode of the Vegas Bright Podcast I'm your host Michael Movestro and as always it is great to be here at the time of recording this podcast which I no longer say because when I'm recording it isn't the same time that you're listening to it and this isn't radio so it'd be weird for me to say Saturday night if you're listening to it on a Tuesday afternoon it'd be weird it would mess up your week. It would mess up mine. Uh, this episode, a little bit different than others, it's a topical episode on uh, for first-timers, people going to Vegas for the first time. Uh, I hope to give you a concise idea, overview of things to expect, and hopefully give you some really good advice uh, to take with you. Please note that advice is subjective and is the opinion of myself, Um and in most cases, others as well. But I do have experience with the whole Vegas thing, so hopefully I can pass this on. If you're listening to this episode and you have other advice that I did not cover in this show, feel free to go to the VegasBright.com website. Look for the page for this episode, the article for this episode. It's going to say Vegas Bright Podcast Episode 6. Go into the comments and leave your comments and help some people out. And let's make this a good resource for people to go to. Uh, for their first Vegas trip, what to expect, and all that stuff. Tonight's episode is also a bit different <laughs> than usual because tonight's episode is brought to you by Strongbow uh, Hard Apple Cider. Uh, it's the gold apple variety of Strongbow. And I don't normally um, drink during the podcast. I don't normally drink, really. The last time I did have a drink, uh, some time ago. I believe it was uh, oh, some time ago. I think it was August or September. No, it had to be this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, at my buddy-slash-co-worker's house. And this, actually, that's that's who this episode is for. Uh, because when I got back from my Vegas trip, let's call him Salen J. Uh, not to be confused with Sailor Dude, who writes articles here at Vegas Bright. We'll call him Salen J. Because it's an internal joke, and he would get it. And uh, as soon as I came back from Vegas, he's like, hey, I'm planning a trip to Vegas uh, either in May or June. And at some point, I want to sit down and talk to you and, you know, get some good uh, some good ideas and, and, you know, of stuff to do when I'm there uh, and ask a bunch of questions. And I'm happy to do that. So that started my thinking process for the rest of the day of... What am I going to tell this guy? You know, first trip to Vegas. I mean, he was there before, but it was like a seriously long time ago. Like a freaking seriously long time ago. It was either in the 90s or it may have been 10 years ago. And so I just, I don't remember what it is right now. This episode is brought to you by Strongbow. Uh, However, 
not officially. They're not officially our sponsor, but <laughs> they're sponsoring me right now. And um, so I said to myself, you know what? That's going to be a good topic. And I just for the rest of the day, I was kind of distracted from my work, but still able to do my work uh, at my day job uh, efficiently and very, very well. And it didn't take away from my productivity at all. Just going to say that. Uh, but I did think in the back of my mind, what of all the things that I can tell Salem Jay uh, to expect for his, we're calling it his first Vegas trip because it's been like 10 or 20 years since he went and I forget what the number is. But um, hopefully everything we're about to say is going to help out. And uh, for you listeners, if you haven't been there yet, I hope this helps. And for you people who've been there a bunch of times, if you know someone who's going for the first time, feel free to point them towards this podcast. That being said, I've got a variety of topics I'm going to cover with this. Before I get to that, there is some house cleaning I need to do. Earlier this week on Vegas Bright, uh, we released a story about a new strip resort that is headed to the strip. It's Mayan themed. We got you an early rendering of it and whatnot. The announcement was originally supposed to happen last week. That was postponed because the London investor uh, had to go back to London for an urgent business matter. And so the word is there should be an announcement next week, but it's tentative. So just keeping you updated on that, I'm looking forward to that announcement as well. Uh, If enough time goes by where... uh, I don't hear anything back. I'm going to spill the beans on everyone. Now, because, you know, I mean, I don't fuck around. Uh, I just don't. Okay, so going going along, that's the house cleaning I need to do. I know I said last week we'd go back to the regular format of the Vegas history stuff, Vegas around the web, this week on Vegas Bright. All right, so that's, that's the house cleaning I wanted to do. Uh, I should be returning back to the format next week. Uh, so, but with this, I like topical episodes. They're fun. And uh, so let's do that. Salem Jay and all you listeners, first time to Vegas. I'm going to talk about booking routes, uh, your hotel stay, the prime location to stay for your first time. I'm going to talk about players club cards, hydration, no sex in the champagne room, parentheses, I think. The strip versus downtown, where not to park for safety reasons. Taking it all in, pacing yourself, tipping, taxis versus Uber and Lyft, some typical taxi rates. And what you don't do this time, there's always next time, in parentheses, sometimes. So let's get started. When booking your vacation, a lot of people will take the route of going with Travelocity or one of those websites that puts everything in one price package. And that's okay. However, sometimes it's a good idea to look at the hotel you want to stay at and see what their rates are first. And then go to the airline and see what their rates are. And do a comparison of the days you're going to be there, your departure, your arrival, all that stuff. And see if it's really saving you any money before you jump into going the Travelocity route or the TripAdvisor route. Or, uh, there's so many of them out there, you know what I'm talking about. See, what, you're, see what, what savings you can possibly get first by booking direct. There's a lot of websites out there that put little countdown timers as you're planning your trip, like, oh, this deal is only good for the next two minutes. That's called a high-pressure sale. And basically, they want to rush you into hitting that purchase button to make them money. Don't always believe what they're telling you about how this deal is only good for the next two minutes because most of the time it's scripted bullshit. 
get a good idea first before you go to these travel sites. Look at the hotel you want to go at. Look at their website. See how much it's going to charge you for the days that you're there. Don't forget that those hotels include resort fees. Uh, so make sure you see the actual price. Don't purchase, but go, go through every possible step, but don't purchase. Just so you see the whole price before you, because they'll hide those resort fees, and then it's like, oh, well, oh yeah, resort fees, taxes, and all that, and then you see what the real price is. Uh, the Total Rewards website is very good at, there's a button you click to see the actual price before you even start the purchasing uh, process. Uh, so you know, you'll choose your days and nights, whatever the case is, you choose your room, see actual price, and that's before you put in any credit card information or anything like that. So they're great for that. So just, you know, you guys are, you know, smart consumers, but just know what you're getting. Uh, also, when you book direct, there's more of a chance that the hotel will do something extra nice for you if you're asking for an upgrade. Uh, if you go to a counter and you say, hey, are there any complimentary upgrades available, you know, things like that. Uh, try the $20 sandwich trick. You won't get that at a kiosk, by the way. The $20 sandwich trick is you take 20 bucks, you put it between your driver's license and your credit card, and uh, pop it in there. Some people will, be, will just wink, wink, and hook you up, and some will just put the 20 in front of you because they can't accept it, so it depends where you go. It has a different success rate, but it's mostly based on the person rather than the hotel. All right, so we covered that. So yeah, when booking, know what your price is really going to be at the hotel and the airline, and then look at the at the travel sites that are going to give you discounts and just choose the best for you. Uh, but do know that booking directly with the hotel usually gets you a little bit more stuff. That's all I got for that. So hotel stay. If it's your first time in Vegas, the advice I generally give, and this is the advice I still do to this day, is to stay in the middle of the strip. Uh, that way, you get to explore more of the strip. You start day one, you go outside, you go towards the left. Day two, you go outside, you go towards the right. Uh, and just take it all in, really. Um, I've been staying in the area that's got Flamingo, Caesars, the Cromwell, Bally's, Paris, the Bellagio. That little intersection there, to me... That's center strip. Some people will say that's not really the center strip. You got to count all the way out to the stratosphere. My opinion is there's not really much to see once you go past Treasure Island. I mean, there's Win and Encore, so that's cool. But there's also a shit ton of construction uh, and a bunch of empty lots, <laughs> and then you get to like Circus Circus. So for me, it's not worth going out of your way for it unless you're going to take the monorail and just want to check it out could for me the strip goes from mandalay bay to treasure island you know until they get something happening i mean no offense to win an encore but you know it's pricey <laughs> when an encore is pricey if you're going there just to play slots uh, even penny slots like 350 max bet three dollars and fifty cents for a max bet up to five dollars for a max bet for a penny machine nah nah Nah, uh, nah. But go check it out if you want. But for me, Mandalay Bay to Treasure Island—that's that's really the bulk of the strip. That's that's where the ha that's where the action is happening. So you want to get somewhere right in the middle. I usually stay at the Flamingo and a go room. I've always said that, and I just like it there. Uh, but I will stay at Harris, or I would stay at the at the Cromwell. Cromwell's a bit pricey for me. I'd probably stay at Bally's or Pal uh, Paris. 
I need another sip of Strongbow. Mmm, Strongbow. <sighs> cool and refreshing. And by the way, this Strongbow is dedicated to Scott at Vital Vegas, who always drinks during his show. He prefers Captain and Coke. And uh, he announced last week that he is ending his season for the podcast, and he's taking a break for a while. So as a tribute, I am partaking of some alcoholic beverage during this show. Strongbow is very nice. Um, if I were to compare it to Red's Apple Ale, though, I would say, I don't know, Strongbow has a, has a bit more of a kick to it than Red's Apple Ale. I prefer Red's Apple Ale, but I'm suddenly really liking Strongbow. The more happier I get. So stay in the middle of the strip. That way, wherever you are, you're not too far away from your hotel, especially if it's late, you're tired, you've been walking like a maniac, and you're just like, I just want to get back to my damn hotel room. It's not as far as going from one side of the strip all the way to the other. Oh, yeah. Speaking of going from one side of the strip all the way to the other, there's a lot of walking that happens in Las Vegas. Lots of walking. You can expect to walk at least three miles, and that's even if you're utilizing the monorail. The spaces inside the casino hotels are huge, are on the strip. And they, and they want you to walk through everything. Three miles is not uncommon. Uh, I, I tracked it my last trip. I tracked it with my Fitbit, counted my steps, and three miles. One of my days was three miles. Interesting part, the shortest amount of distance I walked was when I went downtown. And we'll be talking about the strip versus downtown in just a moment. So definitely get that prime location right in the middle of the, of the strip for your first time. And on your first time, you're going to go to different places. You're going to go to different hotels and casinos. You're not just, you know, tied down to the place you're staying. So go and sample everything. You know, go go eat at different places. Go see shows at different places. Go, go gamble at different places. Uh, just get a feel for everything. And who knows, by your second trip, you might, like, find a favorite hotel that you'll decide to stay at. Or you'll stay in the same area because it's accessible to everything. It's uh, it's up to you. Players Club cards are cool. They're not as generous as they used to be, but if you gamble a lot, you definitely want to use your Players Club cards. There's the Total Reward cards from Caesars Entertainment, there's M Life from MGM, and then there's various other Players cards for the different properties, like at Tropicana and at Win and Encore and Strat. I don't even know. I don't remember. Uh, but there are different kinds of cards, and these cards, when you pop them into a machine or you're sitting down to gamble and you let your pit boss see it or whatever, they track your play. Uh, you earn points on your card. You get enough of them. You can get some room comps, which means you know you go to the website to look at how much you gamble, the decide they want you to stay there, uh, and you might get a free night or two. Uh, so it's good to use your card and rack up some of those rewards. They do expire after one year in most cases. Be mindful of that. Uh, but Players Club cards are awesome. Uh, you could definitely, you know, do some Googling on the subject and find some really good information. Hydration. Stay hydrated. If you're going in the summertime especially, stay hydrated. You're doing a lot of walking and you're doing it in the heat in, like, no humidity. And just remember... You're doing a lot more walking and activity out there than you probably are in your home state. You're going to probably want to drink more water or Gatorade or anything than you normally do. Hydration is key. It's very possible after two days on the strip, you're going to wake up on the third day and feel absolutely miserable like you're hungover, even if you haven't been drinking. And it's simply because 
you're not hydrating enough. So don't just do water, do Gatorade as well. As you're walking on pedestrian bridges, you will find people selling bottles of water for $1 out of a cooler. It's completely safe. There were rumors that these guys were filling up bottles and hotel bathrooms and crap like that. And it was a bunch of shitty nonsense. And the person who made that as a story was actually, I know the scoop on this, was a casino executive who put that story out there. It's bullshit. It would make no sense for these people to go and spend $4.50 on a 20-pack of water and sell it at $1 a bottle, which you can imagine the hundreds of percentage of uh, ROI that is, to be looking for empty bottles and filling them up in a bathroom. It's nonsense. The water is safe. They're usually Dasani or they're Aquafina, and it's they're sealed and they're fine. Get the water. It's okay. CVSs and Walgreens have been popping up on the strip, and these are good things because you're going to find something to drink, whether it be water or alcohol, at cheaper prices than you will at the casinos. And uh, on my last trip... It was imperative that we have water, and we went to Walgreens and got a bunch of bottles at cheap prices uh, and bring it back to the hotel. At the casino, in the casino shops, they will charge you $3.50 or $4 for a 20-ounce water. Those are Woodstock 99 prices, and we all know what happened at Woodstock 99. So I would avoid them like the plague unless you really need that water. But yeah, if you can, go into a CVS or a Walgreens or something like that take a couple of bottles, get some Gatorade, get some water, put it in a knapsack, take it with you, it doesn't weigh that much, and you're good to go. No sex in the champagne room, I think. I haven't gone to any of the strip clubs in Las Vegas. I don't really have a need to. For me, personally, you know, I'm married. So I don't get what the point of strip clubs is, really. I never did. I went to one once, and it wasn't even in Las Vegas. And all I could remember is that I was spending money to get blue balls. Did I mention that this is an explicit show? And iTunes, this show has an E on it. So if you're listening to this show with kids around, you probably shouldn't. Just saying. Good parenting. Not you, Salem J, but I'm talking to everybody else. I don't really get the point of, of strip clubs personally. Um, but if it is your thing, there are some very strict rules in place about touching and some clubs are different than others, uh, but generally, touching is a no-no. You, as the patron, are not allowed to touch the person who is performing said lap dance. You can hand money to them and sometimes insert them into various garments, uh, but not into various body places that will get your ass beaten up. Uh, so as far as the champagne room goes, sex probably doesn't happen there, just like it doesn't happen in most other places, I've been told. The Strip versus Downtown. The Strip has a good draw to it. It's got a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of activities. There's a lot of things to do. Thing is, things on the Strip are far, far, far away from each other. So things look closer, but they're not. And when you start walking from one location to another and you see that next destination getting further away, you start to realize, holy crap, things are far, especially in the summer heat. Now, there are a couple of monorails that you can utilize. There's the Las Vegas monorail. I'm going to pull up the price for that real quick. 
But let me also tell you about the free monorail, uh, which is the Bellagio monorail. The Bellagio monorail runs from the Bellagio, uh, the Bellagio of course, uh, and that will take you to Aria and Monte Carlo. And you get off there. So it's the, the stops are the Bellagio, the shops at Crystal's, Aria, and Monte Carlo. The Las Vegas monorail. A single, a single ride ticket will get you five bucks, a 24 hour pass. It's 12 bucks, two day pass. Oh, Jesus. Uh, two day pass is 22 bucks, a three day pass is 28. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, it's pricey. Uh, it's pricey. It might be cheaper if you actually go there as opposed to buying it online, but not that much. Not that much. So there's that. That's the Las Vegas monorail, but it goes to more places because it goes from the convention center area, uh, and that'll take you right down to the MGM Grand. So it covers it covers a, a broad uh, a broad space. So that's good. Where the Bellagio monorail only covers a few. So there is that. There's also another monorail. There's, well, there's two of them. There's two more. So there's, okay, there's, technically there's three free monorails. If you really, really want to know your monorails. Uh, there is the monorail that goes from the Mirage at Treasure Island, which is a super short ride, but it's free. There's also the other free monorail that goes from the Excalibur to the Mandalay Bay. That takes you to from that goes to Excalibur, the Luxor, and Mandalay Bay. Those three stops. So there's that. So there's the pay for monorail, which still covers more distance, and there's the free ones. You got the Excalibur monorail, I think it's called the Excalibur Tram, the Bellagio monorail, which might be called the Bellagio Tram, and then you have that Mirage the TI monorail as well. If you look it up online, you will find maps for these, and you can figure out what's going to work best for you. I typically will get a monorail pass, the Las Vegas monorail pass, but I'll also utilize the Bellagio one as well. Don't know why, I just like to mix it up, I guess. I don't know. Depending on what side of the strip I'm on, I'm like, I don't feel like walking all the way over there to get on the monorail. I'll just take this one here, and that's what I do. But yeah, so there is one pay for and three freeze. Hope that makes sense. But let's see what else I can talk to you. So the strip, very spaced out. You're going to do a lot of walking. Not everything is easy to find. So if you want to see, like, what's a good example that I could give? The Fall of Atlantis at Caesars. Okay. Well, it's not at Caesars. It's at the Caesars Forum Shops. It's not at the Forum Shops when you get in there. You have to do some walking to get to it. That's how everything is on the strip. So when you're like, oh, I want to go see this at this place, first you have to get to that place. And then it's going to take you a while to get to the it you want to see. Downtown, everything is more together. Everything is more is closer to each other. Uh, I remember walking in to, where was I? <laughs> the place where you can take your picture next to a million bucks. And I remember walking in. I walked for like 30 seconds and there was a place to take your picture next to a million bucks. And it was like that for everything downtown. I went to the D, I went upstairs, there's the piece of the Blarney Stone. I've heard about this and it was, it was right here, 45 seconds after I entered the place. That's the way everything is downtown. As far as prices go, the strip is more expensive. Downtown is more reasonably priced. 
Uh, you can get water downtown without breaking the bank on the strip. Like I said, three fifty to four bucks downtown. Not so bad. Depending where you go, you can go to the little shops. The shops are good. The gambling. The gambling will go further downtown than it does on the strip. You can find five dollar tables and ten dollar tables more likely downtown. There's very, very few of them on the strip. Oh, and one important fact, downtown is north of the strip. A lot of times people think downtown is downtown of the strip. No, downtown is north of the strip. It's downtown Las Vegas. It has to do with city limits and whatnot. So yeah, so yeah, just, just, it's confusing because if you're at the strip, downtown is actually uptown, but that's just how it is. It's weird, but it is what it is uh, because of the city limits and whatnot. So it's fun, though. So your money's going to go further downtown. Uh, if you're into gambling, if you're into poker, definitely play poker at, at the Binion's Poker Room because it's just so damn historic. It's where poker rose to prominence. It was the site of the very first World Series of Poker. In fact, the World Series of Poker wouldn't have even happened if it wasn't for Benny Binion. So just for the history alone... Just for the history alone, knowing that you're going to sit down with some of the greatest players of all time played, play at the Binion's Poker Room. Do it. Just do it. If you're a poker player, do it. Just do it. And, and take home a souvenir chip while you're at it. But yeah, money goes further downtown. Money goes further downtown with everything. You're going to get delicious food at cheaper prices. Uh, the entertainment the entertainment isn't as strong as it is on the Strip, but there are things to do. There is entertainment. There's also places to see. There's the the Mob Museum. You know I like the mob, right? The mob museum. <laughs> uh, you could go and see that. Uh, you can go to the Neon Boneyard. You might have to take a cab out there. Uh, it's not that far, though. There are things to do downtown during the day. There are shows. But the Strip just has more things to do. You know, that's that's the that's the draw to it. Like, every place has things to do. There's there are shows. There's activities and things of that nature. The Strip has that draw. But I would definitely advise that even if you're going to stay on the strip most of the time, I would definitely advise that you at least spend one day downtown. And if you can't do one day downtown, definitely do one night downtown. It's amazing. It's amazing at night. That's where that's where the that's where everything comes to even more life. Everything is lit up. You got the Viva Vision, the Fremont Street Experience. You get the band out there. Uh, all the casinos are hopping. The street is hopping. It's just a big, huge party. So definitely do downtown at least once, at least at night one time, just to get the experience. Uh, a lot of great hotels out there. Uh, it's it's just such a freaking cool vibe. It really is. It's really awesome. What else can I tell you? Where not to park for safety reasons. Now, some people will tell you not to park at any MGM property at all because they charge for parking. Uh, it's like 10 bucks, I think. 10 bucks a day, if not more. Uh, and yeah, you're going to get a lot of that. But then remember that you also have to pay for, you know, if you park at a Caesars property, you're still going to have to pay for that, you know, that monorail pass, that monorail ticket. That could be five or 10 bucks. Then you have to start to wonder if it's really worth it. There's a deuce bus, but I've never rode it. I'm not. I think it's like 250, but I'm not sure. Balance it out. But for safety reasons, if you like the car that you're in, whether you're bringing your car or if it's a rental, history prods me. Speaking of being prodded, I feel like I should take a sip of Strongbow. What a segue. I'm not sure what that has to do with prodding. Ah. <sighs> 
Strongbow. That was delicious. It, it gets better with every sip. It's like Vitamina Vegemin. History would advise me to tell you, do not park at the lower level of the Link parking garage. Anytime it rains, and it doesn't even have to rain in Las Vegas, it's a, it's a, it's a wash tunnel, it's a storm tunnel. For years, they've never done anything to make this not happen, and I'm guessing that they can't if this has been happening for so many years. But if you YouTube Flash Flood Link or Flash Flood Imperial Palace or Flash Flood the Quad, you're going to see tons of water rushing out that first level. Do not park in the first level. It could just rain for like three minutes and that's it. Do not park in the first level of the Link parking garage. Park anywhere else but the first level of the Link parking garage. No joke. Just trust me on that. And Google it and YouTube it. And you'll see all these video, all these videos of cars have gotten washed out. Bodies have been washed out, which is unfortunate. Because there's a lot of the homeless live under the ground. They live underground in the, uh, in the storm tunnels. And that's where they make their homes. And when these big storms happen... You know, a lot of them end up getting washed out, and sometimes it brings out a couple of bodies as well. So, strong chests don't park on level one of the Link parking garage. It just isn't worth it. Definitely isn't worth it. And so, with that, I'm going to be going to break. And when I come back, we'll talk some more about this awesome stuff right here on the Vegas Bright Podcast. VegasBright.com We're not only a podcast. We cover news about shows, hotels, restaurants, and gambling. We also feature the Vegasy buzz around town like new construction, renovations, and future openings, as well as reviews of places to eat, experiences, hotel stays, and new things to do. And occasionally, we offer a sneak peek behind construction walls to see how a new place is coming along. VegasBright.com Each day in Las Vegas, hundreds of thousands of cars are left alone by their owners. While their owners are gambling, enjoying entertainment, or taking in a meal with friends, their innocent vehicles are neglected and unused in dark, hot parking structures. Hi, I'm not Sarah McLaughlin, but together we can do something to end vehicle disuse. For the price of almost $10 a day, you can assure that these cars receive a paid parking spot. Your contribution will help improve conditions at these parking structures. They'll provide, um, better lighting? And maybe occupancy sensors? Your payment helps provide food, water, and clothing for people who are already well off. Let's do our part and pay for parking today. VegasBright.com, the Vegas website where the parking is free. And we are back at the Vegas Bright Podcast, episode six. Yep, episode six. So when I left off, we were talking about parking at the Link Parking Structure Level One. Not something you want to do. Ever. You don't ever want to park down there. So, wanted to share that with you. 
And you know what? I just realized something very important that I have just ended my first bottle of Strongbow and that needs to be fixed. That, uh, that needs to be resolved. So I am going to open myself a brand new bottle. Oh, this is just lovely. Can you smell that? Of course not. It's a podcast, but that's okay. It smells like apples. hear that sizzle no you don't and that's okay so where was I oh yes all right this is cool I've always wanted to do a podcast while I was tipsy and now I'm doing it and it only took six episodes for it to happen let's see the next thing I want to talk about is taking it all in and you know what's cool about taking it all in taking in a bottle of strongbow <laughs> Yes, my listeners, I am a lightweight. That's just who I am. I used to handle my alcohol better when I was much younger and working in the radio industry and had to go out to various clubs and lounges and bars to do some promoting and host open mics and things of that nature. I would get to the place, I would immediately down two pints of beer, and that would take me out of my shell and I was ready to be social. That was me, uh... A long time ago. And I I don't drink much now, but when I do, I get tipsy. But if anything, at least I am a happy drunk. Okay, so where was I? Taking it all in. Yes, Las Vegas has a lot to offer. Las Vegas has some of the best of everything. There's shows and food and activities and hotels and sights to see and things to do and Las Vegas has some of the best of it if not all the best of it but not everything is the best not everything lasts and that's for certain so when you ask somebody what's the best steak you can get in Las Vegas or what's the best show to see in Las Vegas best is subjective to everybody because it's their opinion so I would say do as much of the things that there is to do as you possibly can and form your own opinions look online at reviews I tend to look at you know the best reviews the fives then I start looking at the threes you know and you know and get more of a middle-of-the-road kind of a review and see what people think and I also bear in mind that it is their opinion and what they don't like I might like I might like and vice versa same for you so there's lots to see there's lots to do you know, do some searches. Always look for reviews that are written by people <laughs> and not like a PR team. Like any website can make their show look good. If it's like a website for a show or for a restaurant, of course, it's always going to be raving customer reviews. But I would definitely say check out things like TripAdvisor and things of that neighborhood, you know, just to get an idea of what people, you know, think of something. I'm not saying that TripAdvisor isn't corruptible. I'm sure you have some PR reps hanging out and writing shit, but you'll get a good idea. So, talking about best steak. I haven't tried every steak place. My favorite steak is at Gallagher's of the New York, New York. They have that dry age process with the pictures that I've, you've probably seen with steaks in the window. Oh, God, it's wonderful. 
I like that. But there are many other steak places I have not tried, like uh, Gordon Ramsay's or Heritage Steak, which I, I keep saying I'm going to do, and I don't, so I should, which brings me to my last step later on. I'll be talking about that. But try everything. You know, go to different places. If you like burgers, try a burger here, try a burger there. Strip burger, LVB burger, just opened at the Mirage. It used to be BLT burger, and now it's LVB. See what they're doing different. Check it out. I Heart Burgers at the Palazzo. It's got some great burgers. Really great burgers. They just redid their menu. It was already good. It was already good, and now it's even better. So I'm happy with that. Many different places to try. Try them all. Try as many as you can. Take it in. Don't overplan. Pace yourself. Um, break up your day. You don't want to gamble all day. If you're on a, a certain budget, I find gambling to be more fun at night. Me personally, nighttime is when I want to be slopping around. Slopping around. <sighs> oh my god, I almost had slopping around. <laughs> That's awesome. Hopping around slot machines. Uh, not slopping around hot machines. <laughs> I'm going to leave that one in. I think that was funny. Uh, which is subjective because maybe nobody else does. But uh, take it all in. Don't over plan. But if you do want to make a lot of plans, I would highly suggest you look at an article we put up a week ago. Uh, two weeks ago called The Trip Planning Matrix by Michael James where he takes an Excel sheet and plans out the hours of the activities that he's got lined up. It's pretty cool. Uh, if you want to structure it that way, I would say to check it out. A lot of people do that surprisingly. I use TripIt, you know, and I put in everything I'm going to do and I look at it throughout the day of, okay, what's next? And I set myself reminders and things like that. But break up your day. You know, maybe there's a part of your day you want for activities, maybe some museums, maybe some galleries, maybe uh, maybe CSI the experience, maybe experiences, things like that. Maybe that you'll want to see a show at like six or seven or eight, and then maybe you want to gamble. You know, after the show, uh, fit in food, fit in hydrating. Again, I'm stressing the hydrating thing; super important. It's the desert in the summer. You want to drink water. If you're going to drink alcohol in the middle of the day in Las Vegas, I highly advise that you chase it with the water just to help break it down a little bit. And before you go to bed at night, I would highly advise Gatorade and Advil. If you can find Advil. Or Anison or something. Not Jennifer Anison. Because her last name isn't Anison, it's Aniston, isn't it? Alright, so avoid the Jennifer kind. Um... But yeah, you know, just, you know, just hangover cure kind of things. You know, you want to do some of that before you go to sleep so it has a chance to work through your body and help you feel better before you wake up. I'm going to have another sip of Strongbow. Where did it go? Don't walk away from me, Strongbow. Don't walk away. I am such a lightweight. This is embarrassing. But yeah, don't overdo it. A lot of times people will say, I'm going to Vegas and there's 75 things that I want to do. You're not going to do 75 things. You're not going to do 35 things. 
you might not even do 30. You might do 30, but you might not. More than likely you won't. And that's just the way Las Vegas is. So I would say don't over plan and also break up your day. Plan depending on your budget. One activity you want to do, that could be like I said, a museum. Plan a show you want to see and then, you know, whatever gambling you want to do. Also plan meals and just be aware of where all these different things are located on the strip. So you might say, I'm going to spend the day south, you know, on the south part of the strip. And that's where the MGM Grand is and Mandalay Bay and Excalibur and Luxor and the New York, New York and the Monte Carlo and Planet Hollywood kind of is in that area. Uh, kind of, kind of in that area, you know. You know, and just plan, all right, I want to go to see this show at the MGM Grand. I want to go and eat this meal at the New York, New York. I want to go and do this activity at Mandalay Bay or Excalibur and try to plan your day in a cluster of where you're going to be on the strip because then it helps you to get to everywhere you want to go uh, quicker, uh, more efficiently. Uh, then plan a north side of the strip kind of a thing, maybe a middle strip downtown and well downtown is easy it's just you the walking is like night it's like night and day to the strip trust me you can get from one end of of uh the Fremont Street experience to the other in no time so I wouldn't worry about that too much but for the strip you want to do some extra planning uh is pretty much what I'm trying to say I got quiet there for a minute I was like moving away from the microphone uh so yeah and pace yourself don't overdo it you know yourself so don't overdo it and just don't over plan and you should be fine but most of the times I hear there was so many things I want to do that I didn't get to do because you over planned and this is the, the way that works for me is plan an activity plan a show plan to gamble and have some meals in between you should be good to go uh, as far as a budget goes you know what let me let me add that to my show notes I for the first time I wrote show notes before the show Instead of just winging it, um, because I knew that I would be partaking of Strongbow. <sighs> what a kick. Okay. All right. Budgeting. A lot of people like to go with a daily budget. They use something called the envelope system. The envelope system is pretty simple. You take your budget for your entire trip, you break it down by day, and then you put that day's amount into an envelope, and you have different envelopes. I do it I do it like that, but I don't go with different envelopes. But I tend to have a secret compartment in my wallet where I will keep the rest of the trip's funds and I'll move the daily funds into the main part of the wallet. If you're doing debit cards, that's fine too, but do remember that the ATM fees in Las Vegas are fucking ridiculous. So I just tend to bring all cash. Before you go on your trip, make a big, make a big, make a... <laughs> Strongbow is really strong. What you do is you go to the bank and you make a withdrawal for everything that you want to spend, uh, for the amount you want to spend, I should say, and get it in hundreds. Hundreds travel a lot flatter in your wallet than a bunch of 20s and 5s do. 
So just get hundreds. You can always break the bills at the bill break machines on the casinos. You pop in a hundred, it spits out five twenties. In some cases, it spits out four twenties and four fives. Um, and it's just easy because you're traveling light. You don't have this humongous wallet that you got to you know deal with going through TSA and all that. If your wallet has a separate compartment for cash with a zipper on it, uh, I call that the secret compartment. I would go with one of those if you could. When you're carrying a wallet, uh, do not put it in your back pocket. You're just asking for it to get stolen. I would definitely say put it in your front pocket uh, and just get used to doing that before your trip so that you don't have a heart attack anytime you reach into your back pocket and feel nothing but your ass. Put it in your front pocket and just get used to putting it in your front pocket uh, before you go in and just get used to putting it there. So that is not such a foreign concept when you're in Vegas. Because out of habit, you will reach for the back. You won't find your wallet there, and you'll freak out for like a minute before you realize, oh, it's in my front pocket. I'm such an idiot. So I would say get used to that before your trip. Uh, what else can I tell you? What else can I tell you? So budgeting. Yes, the envelope system is what I was talking about before I went on a three-minute laughing tirade. And if you didn't hear that, I remembered to edit it out. Uh your daily budget, you don't go past your daily budget. You don't dip into the next day. It keeps you on track if you do that because you're not likely to run out of money before your trip is over. And it's sort of, it's a good discipline to say, I'm going to spend no longer, no much, not much more than $350 bucks or something like that. You have that as your daily budget. If you have anything left at the end of the day when you're going to bed, you just sort of invest that for the next day's trip so that way you have more money. Maybe you'll get a different meal than you originally had planned because you saved some money. Maybe you won a slot machine jackpot. Maybe not a huge jackpot. Maybe you won a hundred bucks or two. Invest that into your trip. Upgrade your trip while you're there. That's a good thing to do. I do it all the time and I still sometimes come home with money so that's always fun. But yeah, do the daily system. Make sure you budget out your money on a daily basis. If you run out of money for that day, you're done for that day, but at least you'll still have money for the next day. Speaking of which, most hotels will let you put down your uh, incidental deposit uh, in cash, and they will put the resort fees on your credit card. Ask if you can put down your incidentals in cash. In Caesars Properties, uh, they usually do. And you'll put down whatever it is. I think for me, it's usually like 200 bucks. And the cool thing is, is that you will get that money back uh, on your last day. When you check out at the counter, uh, they'll give you back cash, 200 bucks. And that assures that you will not leave uh, without some money in your pocket. So think of it as, you know, looking out for yourself. If you don't make use of movies that you have to pay for or you know, calling long distance or local calls on a phone in the hotel room because why the fuck would you do that if you have a cell phone? But anyway, I just, yeah, ordering room service, whatever it is. Oh, I know the local calls is actually the resort fee, nothing incidental. Um, yeah, whatever. I'm, mix, I'm a little mixed up right now on what the incidentals are for. Don't break anything in your room and don't order food to your room and you'll be fine. Uh, you'll get your you'll get your thing back. You'll get your your deposit back, your incidental fee back. And you'll have cash with you, um, so that's a good way to guarantee that you won't be leaving empty-handed. Uh, so that's what I do, and I think it's great. Um, tipping. A lot of the people who work in Las Vegas in the, wow, coming up on 53 minutes here, but this is before I edit it. So if it's 30 minutes, I had a lot of editing to do. <laughs> I mentioned the show was brought to us today unofficially by Strongville. <laughs>
Tipping. If you had good service, go ahead and do the 20% tip. Nothing wrong with it. A lot of people who work in the service industry or the hospitality industry out there are really, really reliant on tips. I always make sure that I do the 20% tip. Um, especially if it's like a very costly meal, I'll still do the 20% if I got good service. If that dude or that dudette came around and kept filling up my water or kept filling up my soda and it didn't like get empty at all, they're getting a 20% tip. Now, that's just the way it is, 20%. Uh, I highly advise it. If I get a smaller meal that's like, I don't know, it comes out to like 15 bucks, I'm still tipping five bucks. That's just, because what fun is 20% on 15 bucks, right? I'm going to tip five bucks because it's a $15 meal. You know what? Take five bucks as your tip. It's fine. Uh, that's just the way I do it. And they're always very appreciative of it. Um, so do tip. It helps people get by out there. Um, taxis versus Uber and Lyft. Uh, you know, there's taxis and then there's Uber and Lyft. And the Uber and Lyft usually have an app on your phone that you can use to hail a ride for the the ride-hailing services, it's called, and, you know, they'll let you know they're on their way, where you have to meet them, and all that stuff. Uh, so there's more options besides taxis. I haven't gone the Uber and Lyft route yet, although people have and said it's great. The prices are, are uh, less expensive than taxis, but there is surge rates, so if an event is happening, uh, the, the, the prices go up, so you have to be aware of surge pricing. Uh, so... I would look into that. Uh, Vegasbrite.com has some articles on Uber and Lyft you could check out. Uh, let's see if it's your kind of a thing. I prefer taxis. I just I walk out to a taxi line. A taxi's going to be there. I'm going to get in the taxi, tell them where I'm going, and they'll take me where I'm going to go. Uh, be careful of long hauling, although I've never experienced it. But people say that it happens a lot, so be careful. I've never experienced long hauling before. But then again, I know where I'm going when I'm in a cab. And I know when they're taking the wrong, the long route. Um, I haven't had it happen to me once. So I'm not really... Although I did have it happen to me once, actually. But it wasn't actually, it wasn't their fault. Uh, it was just rush hour traffic. And they could not make that left turn because the line was so long and it was so congested. Uh, that they had to go a different route. But I totally understood why they did it. So I didn't give them a hard time and... The pricing still came out to what it would have been anyway. But um, speaking of which, taxis and Uber, yeah, so go ahead and check that out. Uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to typical taxi rates. This comes from uh, the uh, this comes from taxi.navet.nevada.gov, um, and it pretty much will tell you what you can expect to, you know, where your des destination is. And the approximate fares uh, from the airport. Um, I actually did well. Mine came out to twenty-one bucks, and it was actually nineteen seventy-five. It should have been, and that's not anything to like gripe about at all. Um, tip your taxi. Uh, but these are you know approximate fares from McCarran to your choice hotel. Um, sure, if you look around, you'll will find fares to other places as well. Uh, but I think the most expensive taxi fare I'm seeing here is $27 from McCarran to Palace Station. More than likely, you're not going to Palace Station. You're going to the Strip, and most places on the Strip, depending on how far it is, the most exp 
Wow, why is that? Treasure Island costs 25 bucks. Well, win costs 22. I'm trying to figure out why that is. Uh, and anything else is like 21 bucks or 20 bucks or a little bit less than that. But there's a link in the show notes you can check out to get that information as well. Uh, man, I hope I'm giving you everything. I hope my drinking didn't mess me up. Um, and just remember that what you don't do this time, there's always next time. Sometimes. And I say that because you might think, oh man, this looks cool. I will do it. I'll do that next time. And then things happen. Vegas changes quick. Places close uh, without notice. Uh, in fact, the Bourbon Room is still going at the Venetian, and that's about to close in a month. Uh, and it's been around for a while. Whatever you don't do now, you can probably do next time, but that's not always the case. So don't wait three years before you go back to Vegas. My story is that I kept seeing Revolution Lounge at Mirage, and I kept saying, you know what, I'm going to go check out the Revolution Lounge. It's going to be awesome. Uh, and I never made it there, and I kept seeing it like, i got to stop there for a drink. It just looks cool. Never made it. Never made it. And then I was there. I was there for my honeymoon trip with my wife. And we were right in front of it. And I was like, you know what? You know what? We'll go next time. And next time never happened because the Revolution Lounge closed and it got replaced by the swill. I mean, the still. The still uh, at the Mirage. Um, yeah. So it is what it is. Um, more than likely, the thing you want to do you didn't do will be there but sometimes it's not just be aware of that um and i think that's everything i'm sure there's more that i forgot so salen j uh since you have access to me on a monday through friday basis <laughs> uh be sure to ask me if there's anything i forgot uh but i think i covered everything uh i'm pretty sure i covered everything and I hope anything that you get from this uh, between my sipping of Strongbow is very helpful to you, as well as to anyone who is listening to this podcast right now. That being said, we're coming up to the hour mark, and this is pretty much where I'm going to leave it for this episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Vegas Bright Podcast. It's been great sitting here and talking to all you wonderful people. And it would be really awesome if some of you wonderful people went to iTunes and sort of gave this show a good rating because we still don't have any ratings yet. It would mean a lot if you can just go and do that. Forgive my drunkenness and give us a good rating anyway. Shout out to everybody at Vegas Bright. Shout out to Scott at Vital Vegas. Mark Meltzer at Edge Vegas. Thank you, everybody. Have a great week. And we will see you next time. <laughs> Strongbow.